as with any other technology, we've seen social media, digital marketing, Google ads, Google search, like all of these things have been developed in my marketing career. And if you don't understand them structurally and think about how to use them in your day job, you won't have one. Hello, and welcome to SaaS Half Full, the only show serving B2B SaaS marketers. I'm Lindsay Groper, president of Blast Media. And as always, I will be both your host and bartender today. Today's a special day. I have two drinking buddies joining me on today's episode. I have the pleasure of speaking with both Pete Housley, who is a CMO at Unbounce, and Amanda Elam, who is the CMO at Bloomreach. Now, these two guests are both very passionate about AI and marketing. And guys, I get it. We have heard about AI and marketing. It's all we've been hearing about for the last six months. We get by now that it makes our jobs more efficient. We get that we should be using it and that the marketers who are embracing AI will replace those who don't. We've heard this all before. I'm diving deeper into AI and marketing with my guests, talking about what they believe people are afraid to talk about when it comes to leveraging robots and marketing, and also what they believe are the biggest pitfalls and future opportunities. So if you care to join me for a drink as I speak with first Pete Housley from Unbounce, and I will let him introduce himself. I uh, really have been in direct-to-consumer marketing for most of my adult life. Having said that, in the last 15 to 20 years, really, I've made my core expertise, digital marketing, data savviness, et cetera. And when I stumbled across Unbounce, of course, a mandatory in a digital marketing stack and certainly an important part of conversion rate optimization. So with that in mind, I really was looking forward to jumping from D2C to B2B marketing, really understanding that the insights about understanding your intended customer profile and trying to marry those product attributes and solve a customer need is essentially the same skill set, albeit a slightly different target audience. For sure. And I've had quite a few guests on this show who came from the B2C ranks and then moved into B2B. And many of them were able to take what's traditionally thought of as, you know, B2B boring marketing and infuse some more of that consumer and brand personality. And that's where I think luckily we're all headed from a B2B standpoint. So love to hear that you've made that transition. And uh, for those that don't know, and I'll be shocked if there's a lot of you, but tell us, what is Unbounce? Unbounce is the global leader in landing pages. And very specifically, our product suite offers, coincidentally, AI landing pages. And what does that even mean? Well, as we think about the role of landing pages in a conversion stack, we've actually got over $2 billion conversions that have happened in the last decade or so. And with that in mind, we're able to capture all of those elements in a landing page, which lead to a higher converting landing page, whether that be the copy, the layout, the call to action button, et cetera. And so in the AI product suite, we actually, with very few inputs, create a high performing landing page for you. And then in parallel with that, we have a number of audience optimization tools which marry audience and content for higher conversions. So pretty timely space to be here right now. 
Absolutely. And you obviously have AI built into the company for which you work. So it's a natural area of conversation for us. But what specifically makes you passionate about even wanting to talk more broadly about AI and marketing? As a marketer, I've always been curious and hungry, not only for things that are pop culture, but also for innovation and change. And I think if we look at the last six months, it has been a tsunami of AI innovation. And certainly chat, GBT, and large language models have changed the world in terms of AI adoption and just what you do. I would hope that by today, most marketers are logged into ChatGPT all day long and using it as an expansion tool to bounce their thinking off, to create variants to what they're doing. And one of the terms that we've coined is volume, variety, and velocity. So these AI tools really equip you to have much more productive output, give you variance and different thinking, but the velocity, like what we can now do in a day is crazy to me. And where that might become super relevant is when you have a solo marketer on a team or a small team. At Unbounce, I have a team of 21. So we've covered all the bases in terms of the functional requirements that we need to put out in marketing. But I can tell you that we're getting a lot more efficient and productive in some of the things that we're doing and having some fun exploring new AI tools. I do have it open every day. I'm on the the forefront of most of our new client acquisition at our agency and talking to a, a company that is open source object storage. And that is not something that you spend time talking about at cocktail parties. So what's interesting though, is it, it's still not my default. So I'm like in my own head thinking through it, doing research and all of a sudden it hits me. I'm like, why the fuck am I not asking chat GPT <laughs> to put all these pieces together? Give me a SWOT analysis. I need to change my mindset and make it my default. And I like get pissed off at myself when I go through all this mental load and then realize, yep, probably could have put that in there. But I do have it open all day and, and use it regularly. You mentioned volume, variety, velocity were three big opportunities that AI brings just if we're looking at it, you know, broad strokes. I do want to talk about on the flip side, and this can be on a broad scale or it could be super specific, but what do you see as the biggest potential pitfalls to using AI in marketing? Well, we don't really know where AI is going. I mean, certainly at the highest level in the world of AI, people are worried about the ethics and the sustainability and will the models even be accurate anymore? We've seen that ChatGBT used to have 90% accuracy or 99% accuracy in solving math problems, and now it's diminished because of all of the inputs that are out there. I think in terms of risks, we have to make sure that there's a healthy balance between the user driving it and consulting AI when it's needed, but still providing the kind of thought leadership. And the question is, are robots coming for our jobs? And I'd like to think not, but certainly marketers using AI are going to come for the jobs of marketers who are not using AI. 
So I would suggest that a risk would be not embracing and not exploring AI tools. Because I happen to be host of a podcast show on AI marketing, we've reviewed over 150 tools and we've tried them and tested them and adopted a few, but it's been a super interesting intellectual journey. And I would really tell any marketing audience, like start investing an hour a day, just researching and keep yourself current. So you talk to your customers, you talk to a lot of marketers. And I'm sure AI is a topic of discussion. What's something that like triggers you the most when you hear marketers talking about AI? What I've found is marketers don't really know where to jump in. We've said on this AI maturity curve, where are marketers today? And I have a team of 21 and we are producing a podcast and they're all trying tools. So I did a poll a week or so ago. I said, on a scale of one to 10, in terms of adoption, where are you really? Personally. Like, yeah, among my team. And they came back with an honest answer, which was a three. Meaning we're kind of using it. We're using it sometimes. I keep ChatGPT open, but I haven't yet necessarily built it into my workflow, my job descriptions. And so I think the next step is going to be to create a few systems and standards and expectations about the workflow of where AI fits in and why. How did you answer that question? Where did you rank yourself? I would say that on a research scale of one to 10, I'm probably sitting at a solid six or seven now knowing the world is changing Mm -hmm. daily. I spend about an hour a day researching, following the news, testing tools and so on. But in terms of practicality and putting Mm -hmm. the use, because I'm not the practitioner, I'm probably more like on that three or four end in terms (laughs) of my day to day beyond chat, GPT, and a few things. So I think we're all really just beginning this curve, but I would certainly say to everybody, we got to get on board here. Absolutely. As you're talking to marketers, do you feel like there's any undercurrent of conversation that, that people are afraid to say or afraid to bubble up to the top when it relates to AI? And if so, what is that? I do think there is a tricky area And it does come with how big a team do marketing departments need. And so if you're running with two or three writers or two or three designers, can you go down a couple because of the volume, variety, and velocity that AI gives? So nobody wants to think about downsizing their organizations and nobody wants to think about replacing humans with robots. But I think the stark reality is we are going to be, I don't know, 30 or 40% more efficient than we once were. So I think where you start thinking about even when companies are going through turnover and somebody resigns and you're thinking about the backfill, should you be thinking about, hey, where does AI fit in into this? And can we you know, get along more profitably with less. And certainly when you look at 
the last year and you look at the, even the layoffs in big tech across Microsoft, Google, the Shopify's, like all of these profitable tech giants have been reducing their workforce. And part of that is because everybody's eyes got too big during COVID. And post-COVID, we now have the reality of sort of e-com slowing down. But I definitely think, Lindsay, that is the conversation that is probably tricky for people. For sure. We have a team of in-house writers, full-time staff writers, and their whole job is to essentially go straight and write thought leadership on behalf of our client executives. So you can imagine when ChatGPT was released, there was fear. But the interesting thing is our biggest issue that we had to solve with our content team wasn't about quality. It wasn't about point of view. It was about output. It was about capacity. They could only write so much in a given time period. And so what's been just killer about ChatGPT is the ability to make us more efficient. So we've been able to, the quality is still there, but in terms of that first draft, the idea starter, the outline generator, helping you know boil down complex topics into a headspace you can understand it so you can work backwards, we've been able to solve that problem, the output problem, because there was only so much they could write in a given time period and we needed more, 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 more. So that's been such a benefit. So what was fear of, oh shit, what does this mean for us, has turned out to be a huge benefit to us. Now, if I was a, maybe it's an, I'm an SEO shop and I'm just writing watered down content for SEO, that might be a different story. But one thing that we have learned through our experimentation is, as we all know, ChatGPT can only write what's already been written. So, I mean, in terms of thought leadership and leading points of views and new concepts, new SaaS categories, it can't, cannot do that. So we have seen tremendous benefit in leveraging it here. You talked about if you are CEO on board and things you should be looking at, looking across your business, there, there is a big appetite amongst boards specifically is how are we leveraging air? How can we use it? Because, you know, that, that's what they want to do. It's seemingly at every turn in every board meeting. And while that's great that there is an appetite for it and to embrace it, when you think of it from a marketing standpoint is how can marketing leaders you know, harness this excitement and execute on it in a way that's responsible and makes sense for the company? Because there's a lot of ways I can see that going wrong. Yeah. I mean, I think just to your example, our content leads are not prompt engineers, nor do they want to be, but the amount of research they can compile in seconds is unbelievable. We recently published a, a piece of content marketing and it was order of magnitude, about 6,000 words. And it was really all about five steps to heaven on conversion rate optimization and where AI tools fit in. And my content lead who took the project on himself literally did it in a day and a half. And it would have normally been a 10 or 12 day exercise. And the output to your point, Lindsay, was absolutely brilliant. And at the end of the day, he was like super proud of it. He still felt like right. I owned it, I crafted it, and I'm not thinking that it was plagiarism and it made me better than I am. It made me smarter than I am. I also think there's going to be new roles created in marketing. So for all of us that have been stressing over SEO for the last 20 years and are our keywords 
indexing and is our content lining up with our advertising, lining up with how consumers are searching? Well, now SEO as we know it is off the table because SEO now has to be indexed for conversational language models. And so will there be new skill sets that emerge in terms of how are we going to index in AI results? And so I think, so what I read, and I think I saw something a few weeks ago from The Economist in the States and obviously well-respected media outlet said that they expect that by 2025, 95 million jobs will be lost to AI with another 95 million jobs created because of AI. Okay. And so that takes us a little back to the the industrial revolution and people were losing jobs with the new jobs being, right. being created. So I definitely think the world is just changing so fast right now as it pertains to this area. We need to all do our research. And as curious marketers, we need to be studying what's going on. And in marketing, we have all kinds of tools for content creation, all kinds of tools for data, all kinds of tools for conversion rate optimization. There's influencer tools. It really covers almost every corner. Yeah. So where do we jump in? I guess my only advice to your audience is that you need to jump in and you need to embrace it wholeheartedly. I hope to emerge just like 20 years ago, I'm like, good Lord, I need to get on digital marketing. I need to figure <laughs> out how I move from my world of traditional right. media. And then I became a student and hopefully a very, very sophisticated digital marketer. And I just plan on embracing AI marketing with the same enthusiasm and rigor. And I'm super enjoying this journey. Good. Well, because as you stated, you can choose to not and then be replaced with the CMO who does. Yeah. So as a CMO, as a marketing leader, what is your responsibility in understanding AI and at what level? Do you need to understand AI in broad strokes or to stay relevant? Or do you feel it's necessary for CMOs specifically to get in the weeds and learn things like prompt engineering and be bringing new tools to the table. What's your take? I think at the highest level, CEOs and executive teams need to be thinking about the efficiencies of their organizations and the, the capabilities that AI gives their functional areas. So for example, there's products like Copilot where literally it's working with coders to do code review and peer review and debugging. Amazing. Why wouldn't you do that? I think in the area of customer service and customer support, if we're not doing customer deflection using chatbots and putting in all of the source files of conversation and email, I mean, then you're just duplicating effort. So at the highest level, Lindsay, I would say that the executive team should be looking across their organizations to say, hey, is there one or two tasks or areas where we should be considering augmenting with AI and what that would look like? As it pertains to AI, I am blown away by the tools. Like literally six months ago, I thought, yeah, we'll swim my street with AI. Maybe we'll try a little thing. I'm not really too fussed about it all. There are tools in 
video editing, which are remarkable. Literally, you put your video in, it downloads a text file, you start deleting the text files, it goes back and edits the video, you add text um, file, it creates video. And if you think about the workflow of video, shooting videos, editing videos, that's pretty extensive for your workforce. And we've then had to turn the work over to the art director or the multimedia person on your team to do that. Now, like a lay person could literally edit a video. So let's say that I've got a 40 minute long format video, a marketer untrained in video editing could chop that into 10 and 15 sound bites, put it out to social with the push of a button. So there's little tools like that, which are absolutely amazing. I think when I go to marketing, as I pull the universe and we have 17,000 clients at Unbounce, and I say, what is on your mind in 2023? What matters to you and what is keeping you up at night? It's revenue. We're in a tougher economy right now. And if we think about SaaS models and subscription revenue models, all organizations are going through, is this expense needed? Can we do without it? Can we cut it back? Can we reduce scope? And so on. And so we're looking at building revenue, getting better return on ad spend. And so I think the tools that can lead to conversion rate optimization are going to be great. There's a really interesting product called AnyWord. And it's a conversational language model, which basically sits above the AI tools, but it's bolted into your AdWords and your Meta and your LinkedIn accounts. And so what it does is it dips down and it sees the campaigns that are converting and the words that are converting. And then it reverse engineers copy for ads Before that they cool. already know are going to be higher converting, which is essentially the same thing that we do with our landing pages. But of course, the ad universe is a much more broad universe. So Definitely, I think things that lead to higher conversion, higher revenues is, is where I would nudge marketers. I recently did an episode on data, CDPs, and what we found was you really need to have your data structured well in order to feed the AI learning if marketers want to get to sophisticated personalization engines where we're literally serving up dynamic content to each individual based on their behaviors, their interaction with your product or your website or your CRM, your sales, your outbound, your inbound motions, et cetera. So it does get a little bit daunting when you think about the thousands of tools that are potentially out there. And speaking of getting your data ducks in a row, we're going to move on to my conversation with Amanda. It's something she's very passionate about in terms of how to get your data to a place it needs to be before embarking on an AI journey. And Amanda specifically is going to talk to us about how to apply AI in e-commerce. But first, a little background on Amanda. I've been in B2B SaaS for over 20 years and definitely fell into it. Got kicked out of college uh, six weeks in, and so really had to figure out what I was doing. And through a series of opportunities, was able to build a network and eventually started working in an agency called Business Intelligence Group doing 
nonprofit drug mail solicitations, funnily enough, huh. and doing the control and test packages and found out what marketing was. And shortly thereafter, WordPress came to came to the scene. And I saw that my love of technology and love of marketing could be combined and took off from there. And then just have been very fortunate to connect with a lot of great people in the industry and continue moving up in B2B SaaS. Awesome. And today you are CMO at Bloomreach. For those of our listeners who don't know about Bloomreach, give us just a quick elevator speech of who you are and why the company exists. Yeah, Bloomreach essentially makes it easy for you to connect in an individual way with your customers online. We all know how difficult it is to build a custom personalized online experience. I was at a conference recently where I said, who's heard right message, right product, right time. Everybody raised their hands. And I said, who's sick of hearing it? Everybody raised their hands. Everybody, we should make it a drinking game. It would be perfect for this show. But we've been talking about it for a really long time and it's never been possible. And that's because the data hasn't been connected to channels. And that's what Bloomreach does. We connect your customer and product data directly to your channels across every online channel that you have so that you can build those personalized experiences at scale. Love that. Second most hated phrase would likely be do more with less. We've talked yes. about that, that phrase of the year that people would give their probably left arm to never hear again. <laughs> oh, yeah, but Until... delivering the same results, if not more, just with less strength, uh, less budget, less resources, less people. Yes, um, and now with AI, that's the, that it's come back full swing. But look, now we can really do more with less. <laughs> Absolutely. So if we, if we can think about the e-commerce experience, talk us through what a typical e-com experience looked like five years ago. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we all are consumers, which is why this is so great because I would imagine we all shop online. Maybe there are a few of us who don't, but even the way that you find a product has changed dramatically. Google's algorithms have gotten a lot better on search. So therefore the brand site search experience needs to match a wildly improved Google algorithm, even though none of us are the size of Google and don't have the engineering teams that they have. Amazon creates product recommendations or people that look like you bought this product or you bought this other product, buy this one next. And all of a sudden, those expectations that are set at the consumer level become the expectations of these brands that don't have the development teams of Amazon. And so you have these really big tech companies and then you, you get the iPhone is launched and all these businesses like Uber Eats that I frequent, DoorDash, all of these companies build these fantastic mobile experiences that again set an expectation for the consumer that brands don't oftentimes have the development teams to deliver. And that's essentially what Bloomreach solves for is like, we are the development team. We see the trends in customer experience. We saw Bopus, for example, just take off in COVID. And so how do brands really, really quickly respond to like, okay, I'm, I've purchased this product. Is it available in a store near me? And how do I go and pick it up? And what does that process look like? It's almost impossible for some of these brands to overnight develop something like that. And that's where Bloomreach really helps. And so as you were looking at e-com, like where it sits today, what are you seeing the biggest areas impacted by AI? I mean, everything is going to change, right? And it's not just an e-com, it's going to be in our jobs and B2B SaaS and PR, everything is going to change. And that's because we do see this next generation of technology. And in the same way where we've had step changes in technology, across the decades. I mentioned CMS as an example of a step change that happened early in my career in marketing. This is going to be another one of those. And so the people who really embrace it and try to figure it out and think through how does this support my job and how can I become better at my job as a result of this technology are going to be the future leaders. What my content team has said is it gives me a really good starting point. So I don't have to spend so much time in the initial thinking. I can get something to start with and then I can edit it from there. 
prompt engineers, prompt trainers, you're seeing that job explode because somebody's got to teach these algorithms how to respond for brands specifically. And so I, I think embracing it, being curious about it and thinking about how you can really use it in your day-to-day -day life, you're going to be the future of whatever industry you're in. And for those that are listening who have the problem, see the problem, experience the problem, and again, are looking at it from an on-site e-commerce standpoint, if they don't have the resources, maybe that could be to your point, you won't have the engineers to hire. What options do they have? Where should they start? If they experience these problems, see these problems, see that that's affecting customer acquisition. Is this a situation where you need to go to the C-suite, to the board, make a case, get buy-in? Like, what's that first step? Yeah, I mean, the good news is your C-suite and your board care about this more than any technology they've probably cared about in a very long time. The people that I'm connecting with, the board members and the C-suite members that I'm connecting with are all saying, give me some AI, give me some answers with AI. We need an AI story. Because consumers, again, have also set an expectation that you're using AI in your digital connections with them. We saw this as the fastest technology that's been adopted in history. So it's not going to go away. It is not a fad. It is absolutely going to change how businesses engage with consumers online. So the reality is your CEO is probably emailing you every day already asking you what we're doing as a company with AI. The good news is that a lot of your technology vendors are probably trying to help you answer this question. The bad news is if you don't have a really solid data infrastructure in place, AI is going to be very difficult for you to leverage in your business because you have to have a solid data infrastructure to use it effectively. So I would say I wouldn't worry about getting buy-in from your CEO and board. I would very, very quickly come up with a plan for how you have a solid data infrastructure and what you can use within your current technology vendors to answer their question before they ask about what your AI strategy is. Are y'all seeing that most do have a solid data infrastructure or most think that they do, but upon further investigation, it's all jacked up? So what the reason why customers come to us is because there has been a recognition that they don't have a solid data infrastructure. And that is our unique difference is we combine customer and product data and we infuse that data into every area of your business. And that's actually what powers those personalized experiences. But I would say the majority of customers do not have a good data foundation because they buy technology in silos. And so they have 20 different technology vendors and all of those technology vendors hold a different set of data. So then to solve that problem, they go and buy a data warehouse. And then to solve that problem, they can't see the data or access the data. So then they try to buy something else that's layered on top of that in order to be able to access and use it. And that's where the problem comes in. So that there's wide recognition that good, accessible data is necessary to run the business. I don't know that a lot of people have figured out exactly how to do that. I would say Bloomreach customers have figured out. We offer them that capability, which is why they come and stay. Yeah, so step one would be identifying what your data situation looks like. Absolutely. And, and there are, I mean, there are, a lot of, there are a lot of executives looking to use AI to build efficiency in teams, which is great. We talked about this, do more with less. And so there are certainly going to be tools that come alongside you that make your work easier, that help scale you. But ultimately, those things don't grow your business. They don't create revenue. Yes, they will make you infinitely more scalable, uh, but they won't actually make your business grow. And so that was the other thing I would orient toward is when you're talking to your CEO and your board, don't just talk about how you can now do more with less, but actually how you can grow the business using AI. I want to dig into something that you said, which is that you won't need to necessarily fight to get buy-in. 
or C-suite or board on, on AI, there's an appetite for it. Where do you see this appetite though going wrong? The appetite going wrong is that people don't have a clear enough strategy. So they're not exactly sure what they want to use AI for. And I think there is a tremendous amount of pressure, particularly from investors to leverage AI because they see the efficiency metrics. They see, I don't need more headcount. I can actually get more out of the current team that you have and we can grow in some kind of way. So I think I think there's two two issues. One is focusing only on the scale of the current team and decoupling it from revenue growth. And two is coming up with an AI strategy independent of an overall business strategy. Again, that is foundationally related to the, your data infrastructure and your business objectives. Yeah, it's a predominant discussion right now. I mean, there's a, a lot of companies I think that are just hurt, like slapping it in, hurrying it up. To say, hey, we have this AI component, or yes, yes, customers, we are leveraging AI, working it in, but does lack a why are we doing it? How will it fundamentally affect our business versus being able to say we have it in some capacity? And we work obviously across B2B SaaS. Nearly all, if not all of them now, have our clients have some sort of AI capability, but we're, we are having to figure out the packaging and the why behind it. What problem truly isn't solving for customers is, you know, where we have to have to back it up. And um, it does seem like there is, you know, I don't, it's not necessarily irresponsible. Some use cases, it could be irresponsible, but, a, but there is some haphazard use of trying to incorporate AI just to say that you do and that you can. Right. Have you seen it go wrong? I mean, specifically as we're talking about like e-com applications, do you have any, any stories or any particular instances, you know, say brands or anything, but where you've seen it go really wrong? I mean, we've all seen bad uses of data. There's the age-old target story of retargeting an ad, I think, to a father whose teenage daughter had been pregnant. So there's been stories of bad uses of data forever, and we love to laugh at them. I've certainly had it happen to myself where I've done a data merge and first name and last name are mashed together, and I forgot to put a space, and <laughs> the email goes out to thousands of people. That's embarrassing. So I think we all get the issues that come into play when you use bad data to power automation. And I think that's just going to be exponentially more the case when we're thinking about AI at scale. And I, I think what is nice about the next generation of AI is that there isn't the huge implications from what I first name, last name, there's going to be some association, there's going to be some understanding that the AI has where it can actually help you in your job, make better decisions, it can make some of those corrections for you. But the big strategy, the why us, the differentiation, what you're talking about right now, every business in the world, even not just in B2B, but even in e-commerce, even in retail, even in B2C, even in media, every business in the world is going to have to talk about how AI is going to transform their businesses and how to do it in a way that's unique and differentiated to you is where the time needs to be spent. How are you as a marketing org leveraging AI currently? Yeah, so we, we've been on the AI bandwagon for a while. I mean, working at a company that's foundationally based on AI makes that easy. We've got a data science team and a machine learning team and a bunch of resources in dev and engineering that we always are picking their brains on what's new and different. And we, we're always looking at how do we position ourselves. And so AI has felt very comfortable for us as a marketing organization. So then we use tools like Jasper.ai to do content and copy recommendations and help us with ads. We have some testing automation that that happens that we use for our own teams. And I think we have a channel that's actually called AI for Marketing. And we have people posting tools there. There's a, funnily enough, there's a voice AI that actually will take my voice and recreate it so that we can do short clips and social media that I don't have to record. So I think that 
there's a lot of really fun ways in which you can use it. And we also need to be hyper aware of data privacy. We are a GDPR certified company, first in the world. We follow all of uh, the data privacy rules. We obviously, we have email marketing and marketing automation. And so data privacy is at our core, super important to us as a company. And so that's the other thing that we're also hyper aware of is making sure the tools that we're using are secure and following following the rules, basically. Yeah, for sure. And we had to basically create our own like code conduct around specifically generative AI as an agency. And the privacy portion was one of that as well. And we're under NDA with all of our clients. And we do certainly leverage it for ideas, for drafts and starting things. But when it comes to like sensitive client information, and if it is something that is yet to be released or be announced that is highly sensitive, you're like, we're putting this out into the universe. And so we, we've sort of created rules around things that we should and should not, because you just, to this point yet, you're just not quite sure where that's going. And so, you know, being under NDA and, and private information, it's not yet public. It's like, uh, that gets a little right. bit sticky. But we're a services business. We don't have you know, data scientists, don't have engineers. But we, we also had to come up with our own strategy and communicate it to our clients on how we are and are not using it to make sure that you know, our clients are understood that, yes, we are leveraging it. Um, we'd be idiots to not, but also how we're doing so responsibly. And that's something I recommend for any business. I was on a webinar and, and the question was, you know, do, is AI going to replace marketing jobs? And the answer was, which I agree with, is AI is not going to replace marketing jobs, but the marketers who leverage AI will replace those who do not. Mm. And that I, I do believe holds true for every sector, every segment, every type of business. I think it is going to wildly transform the job. And so I think that as, a, as with any other technology, we've seen social media, digital marketing, Google ads, Google search, like all of these things have been developed in my marketing career. And if you don't understand them structurally and think about how to use them in your day job, you won't have one. It will, this will transform the job, absolutely. Thanks again to Pete and Amanda for joining me on SAS Half Full. Hopefully you took a little new perspective away from this conversation as it relates to how you're leveraging AI in your day-to-day, whether you are a marketing practitioner or a marketing leader. Always appreciate the listen and until next time, bottoms up.